right, time for another one. Whatever the hell this is. This is, this, is, this is quality content, Bob. By the way, well, the crack content. Re- the quality content. The crack research staff did some work based on our discussion yesterday. Do tell. 45,000 people tonight in Edmonton to watch the soccer game. Well. 45,000. That's more than they put into, uh, what's the name of the field? But uh, Bank of Montreal Field. Bank of Montreal Field? That's where they, BMO. BMO, BMO stands for Bank of Montreal, Bob. I've never heard anybody call it Bank of Montreal Field. Well, I just no did. one has ever called it that. I just did, you know, and because you know, you called the Bank of Nova Scotia uh, building uh, arena. No, but I might, I might start now. Because for 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 decades, it was the Bank of the Nova Bank Scotia. of Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then they decide to get hip and and cool and what? like oh, it's like, Scotia Bank, like the two of us. It's like it's like Toronto Dominion, the Toronto Dominion Bank. Well, they don't. Yeah, it's now it's TD, and they don't even yeah. reference like it, they're all over the U.S. There are yeah. millions and millions of Americans who bank at TD, TD and have no idea it stands for Toronto Dominion. How about how about CIBC? Do you know what CIBC stands for? Well, it's my bank. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, but not many people don't understand it. The Canadian, the Canadian Imperial, Imperial Bank, bank of, Commerce. of Commerce, and it was a merger between the Imperial Bank and the Canadian Bank. Well, you're much older than I am. I wouldn't yeah. recall. Anyway, 45,000 people tonight in Edmonton at Commonwealth Stadium. Why did you emphasize Commonwealth Stadium? Because that's the name of it, and it's not a sponsorship, and you don't buy a title. Well, it's maybe because they haven't been able to sell it. No, they shouldn't sell it. It was named after the Commonwealth Games that paid for the darn stadium. Well, but that was 100 years ago, or whatever it was. Okay, anyway, 45,000 people. When were the Commonwealth Games in Edmonton, by the way? 1978 smarty pants okay so it was 50 years ago nearly um we're gonna have um equally irrelevant uh, discussions upcoming as um our pal glenn healy joins us and with heels you just never know you, you there's no way to know how this is well he go. you know he was he was supposed to be on yesterday uh but it was remembrance day but he piped yesterday it was remembrance day yes and and well, we'll talk about that. He plays the pipes. I know he plays the pipes. No, I'm not telling you. I'm telling He's the guy. He's piped in the haggis on more than a few occasions. Have you ever had, ever had haggis? Yes. Awful. At the old course. Oh, I had haggis. My grandmother used to cook haggis once every six months. I feigned sickness that day. Well, this is the first time I'd ever had haggis was at the old oh. course, and they piped the haggis in. was on a big plate. And they piped it in, and there was a guy with a sword. Yeah. And Awful. after they finished piping, he said something, yeah. and then stabbed the haggis. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very and they put proud. it on your plate. I'm, very, I'm Canadian. Well, fortuitously for us, John's um, microphone has frozen. Hopefully, it will unfreeze. Or maybe, maybe we're hopeful it won't unfreeze. <laughs> oh, you're back. Glenn Healy, when we come back after these messages. Uh, we are back. It's McCowan. It's Shannon for the uh, last and final day of the week. Uh, with uh, Louis Scott, Glenn Healy is uh, with us, head of the NHL Alumni Association, former director of players affairs at the NHL. Hey, PA. How, how was your piping yesterday, Glenn? Uh, well, um, I would say this. Uh, modestly. Modestly. 
the day means everything to me, right? It, yeah. it, my dad fought sure. in World War II, um, fought for the Scottish. It's part of that elite fighting group, the SAS. Came over at the end of the war uh, to Canada with no money, and they got two pounds, no job. And he showed up in Canada, and they said, all right, uh, what, what skill set do you have? Which he's a Healy, so clearly none. And so uh, my dad said, well, what are you looking for? And they said, wait, we're looking for painters. He goes, oh, that's what I did in Scotland. I was a painter. He hadn't painted anything in his life and became a painter. So that the day, Remembrance Day, really matters to me, right? So I have shown up uh, every year and it's been snowing. It's been raining. It's been terrible. It was blustery and windy like yesterday. And a couple of the flags nearly impaled two of the vets. So that would have been a, a, a quick demise, you know, as they're blowing around. Uh, but I will say the criticism I have is this. Uh, we were to play where they laid the wreaths. So there's 75 wreaths to be laid, wow. okay? One for Max Milk, one for the Girl Guides of Canada, uh, one for Pete's uh, convenience store. And I, I just thought to myself, and, and the, the councillors lay their own wreath, and the mayor lays his wreath, and the region lays its wreath. And, and the gentleman said to me, um, would you guys start playing? I mean, we're laying the wreaths. And they announced them, right? Big grandeur. You know, the mayor... Here we go. He's going to lay his wreath. And I said to the gentleman, I'm not playing until you lay a wreath that matters. And we waited probably 12 wreaths. And then finally, World War I. Yeah. Start playing, boys. And then we started playing. So what I would say is for you. two things. Stop laying all the wreaths. Let's lay the ones that matter. And two, if you're a politician, please. We all have, well, Bobcat doesn't. Um, he got rid of Google because he knows everything. But we all have Wikipedia. So they all have the same speech on this day, the 400,000 troops. And, and then the next one comes up with the same search engine from a Wikipedia page. Please speak from the heart. Uh, one of them yesterday told us a story about going to Vimy Ridge. And they had this beautiful green mounds. And then there was these craters. And I wondered, why are they, these craters? What, what are these? Is this the natural landscape? Is this was this close to an ocean at one time and this was a beach and i'm looking there going how stupid are you it's called bombs that's what it is that's what created the craters so anyways um parts of the day fantastic we had uh 10 vets from the age of 95 to 100 looking fully resplendent mm -hmm. in their regalia and their medals and they all look great and so we played for them after and uh they loved every minute of it but Hey, good for you. If I'm at that age and I look like they looked and went through what they went through, don't put your money on it in Vegas. I'm telling you, it ain't gonna look like that or last that long. So well, I, I had a I had a thought, you know, and, and you've you've touched on this. I just I just in the last couple of days. Um, we are my dad fought in both the US and Canadian Air Force and in World War II. Um and so, like you, there is um, a, an attachment, an understanding, a direct understanding of um, the commitment that was made by millions. I'm wondering about our kids. Oh, yeah. When we're gone, are our kids going to feel the same, respect the same way that we have over the last 70 years, 80 years um, for for something they maybe know only anecdotally. What do you think? 
I think that uh, your dad, my dad, John's dad, they, uh, to use a hockey term, they played a few games in the league. Uh, like it was a pretty tough go, right? Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. imagine at 18, you're given a rifle and told, okay, you're going to do this for nothing and go fight for five years. Um, you know, no instruction other than you're surviving. And then you, you know, you come to a new country and you're surviving. And, you know, you know, again, no money, just living a hard life and just trying to make a better life for your kids, which is what my parents did for me. I, I, trust me, uh, their few games in the league gave me a really good life. Now, when I look at this next generation, uh, other than what appears on your phone digitally and how many likes you get and what the social media status is and whether you're a, an influencer Stop being an influencer on this handheld device and go influence someone in the real world. So I would say we have a bit of a problem because number one, they I haven't so. played a few games in the league and I'm not going to say they're softer and gentler, but a lot of what your parents, my parents, John's parents had given us, mm -hmm. we've been able to give them a better life than what I had and what you had Bobcat. Cause you're a lot older than me, but, um, but the reality is I agree with you, you know, um, we haven't had to fight in a war. What, Our biggest fight was to get toilet paper in COVID. Woo. Yeah. Well, and here, here's the thing is, is I think you wonder then, have we done a good job? And I say that respectfully. Have we done a good job uh, telling our kids about our grandparents and about our great grandparents? Because, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I joked about it a little yesterday on Twitter is that my dad loved an argument. I know you find that hard to believe. Uh, but my dad, just like your dad, yeah, yeah. Well, when your name, when you're, when you're from the British Isles somewhere, when from, my dad was from Belfast, um, Vancouver and Belfast. Uh, but you, you, you know, he would love. My dad would love Twitter. My dad would have loved Twitter, and would have fought for every person to have an opinion on Twitter. But then, at the end of the day, would have said, "Okay, we're done now, and let's let, let's let's move on where people can't move on anymore." Uh, and that's that's part of the problem. So I, the onus has been on us. And, uh, you know, there, there was a time and this is this is another aside. There was a time that the only time you wore something on your lapel was November. It was the poppy. Now we wear something on our lapel every month. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and I, I mean, I'm a little like your dad, too, because I think Kevin Lowe said it best. Glenn. This is why you're good at the job you're doing now. You love a confrontation, a negotiation, yeah. and a conversation. And Glenn, you can do it all in 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I do agree with you. And I did notice there, the, the poppy wasn't a plentiful over the past couple of weeks when the poppy campaign began. I, right. a, a lot of people not honoring what has, has given us our freedoms, as all the politicians told me yesterday. Thank you for that. Uh, I would say this, uh, when I was at the PA, Player Association, I wanted the league to put a poppy on the sweaters of all the Canadian teams right? and and auction those sweaters off and let's keep the legions alive. Let's keep them, you know, great idea. poppy on a sweater. You got everything else on the sweater. I mean, you got TikTok on the Leafs helmet, whatever the hell TikTok is. I know the young kids that we've given everything to, they know what it is. That's uh, right. But why not? Why not put a poppy on a bunch of sweaters, auction them off, give them to the right cause, take care of our veterans. And I'd love for the league to do that now that we've broken through the fact that you can actually put something on a sweater, uh, whether it's an ad. This would be the best ad for this country and maybe for any country. And in soccer, 
I know you guys are big soccer fans. Uh, they Bob do that is now. Bob's huge. Now. And they do, do they not do that in Europe? I mean, it's one of the most splendid things I've seen with that poppy on sweaters. It's incredible. Well, one of the things that occurs to me, I mean, we're we're going down a path that we didn't intend to, but that happens often in this program. That's, that's called that's called Bob's show. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Right. Well, particularly Bob's show with Glenn. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he hasn't name dropped yet. Like I haven't heard Tiger Woods or I was with Beyonce or well, remember George, when- George McPhee and Vegas are coming soon. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> going to mention any of that. But here's what I was going to say along the lines of the conversation. We did not live through World War II. But we did live through Vietnam. And while in Canada, um, very few people were involved in Vietnam, Canadians. It was not a world war. It was an American war, specifically. But we were inundated with the news and information from that war every single night, whether you were watching U.S. news broadcasts or Canadian news broadcasts. Bob, that's 60 years ago now. I know. 60 since then, there have been some, I hate to call them skirmishes, but nothing of that magnitude since Vietnam. And so in deference to our kids, how do they relate? How can they even understand the enormity of what World War, and I don't even know, but can assimilate what, what did that mean? How all-encompassing, how life-changing was that? Well, there, and, there, there are two things, Bobcat, that strike me with that. One is when I look at the World War II vets, uh, you know, they, for the most part, uh, they're older. They look a little rugged and tougher. And they've got there aren't that many left, Heels. And when, I, when I've done piping for the um, Afghan vets, the difference is the Afghan vets are missing limbs. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of roadside bombs. So it was a different war. But I'll say this about the Second World War, and maybe this is the same for, for you guys. My dad never talked about it, ever. I mean, I can remember as a kid playing with his medals. I, I didn't know what any of them were, but, man, they were fun to play with. And when I'd go to Scotland, uh, they had this great thing in the backyard, and I'd go play in that, and then found out later on it's called a bomb shelter. <laughs> That's what it is, right? Because they lived in Clyde Bank, which is where John sure. shipyards were, which is where they built all the ships which is where the Germans decided, build a ship, it's going to hurt us, let's blow up the ship before it even gets onto the water. So, so I never heard about World War II. Uh, and in fact, when my dad died and, and I was at, obviously, at the funeral, there were a whole bunch of other people there I'd never seen before wearing, again, an SAS uniform. And they were part of the group that fought with my dad. I didn't even know he was in it. Yeah, wow. And so how are really guys like me to know when it wasn't really talked about and and so my kids i mean we do our best we can we drag them to all the military events and i make sure they they honor the events that are of most importance and that one yesterday to me is on the calendar and i don't care if we get a hurricane well see my fat ass out there piping at the cenotaph bob it, it, you know bob and glenn it should be a national holiday and and it's not it should be a national holiday and it's not you know, uh, British Columbia, everything was closed down yesterday. Ontario, Ontario, you went to work. I mean, it's a, it, it's an embarrassment that we don't have uh, the uh, uh, ability as a as a country, as a nation, to say November 11th is a national holiday. Uh, that's the one that always shocks me. 
Well, and you know what I was proud of yesterday? Uh, for the first time, and trust me, I have stood at the Cenotaph for probably 30 plus years now. For the first time yesterday, they laid a wreath for the indigenous. Mm -hmm. and, oh, good. Uh, and I was so happy and proud of that because they should have done it for a lot longer than yesterday. No, and so right. finally recognized the contributions that they made to this country to, again, make it so that I've got the best place in the world to live. So, and hey, that meth lab south of the border, okay? Um, uh, uh, you know, you look at land of the free, right? Because of the brave, that's right, us, the people that fought in the war. So, and a great day yesterday. Uh, and so glad to see so, so many of the vets from Sunnybrook. So glad. We, we're back. Like we had all these ceremonies and we couldn't have a ceremony for, for remember, Remembrance Day. Like oh, I know. a month ago, they're telling me, Glenn, we can only bring three pipers because we've got numbers. We have a number issue. And I said, quite frankly, why don't I bring six pipers or let's bring three pipers and three more vets and get rid of your 10 politicians. So just play their speech the same as last year. <laughs> there we go. Play. There we go. So anyways, now they, they actually re relaxed the numbers. That's and good. Uh, there was a big crowd there yesterday. I'll, I'll say that holiday or no holiday, but holiday, I'm thinking you would be triple that size, but there was a, a big crowd and a lot of young people there. And I was, I was happy to see that. Yeah. Well, um, I, I must say I'm kind of lukewarm on the holiday because I think to many people, it would just wind up being a day off. Um, I don't know how you mandate the respect that is warranted um, while taking a day off. Um, you know, when we were in school, 11 o'clock, we did a moment of silence. You know, we all did. I assume they still do in schools. At offices, um, I know that many people took a moment of silence at 11 a.m., but I also know times when 11 a.m. came and went and you didn't even really realize it. There right. was no alert to it. Correct. And you went, oh, my God, I didn't, you know, not that I forgot. I just didn't realize what time it was. Yeah. So we really don't. I, I think there's got to be a way to emphasize it, to make sure that everybody takes a few seconds to just think about, you know, w what we owe. And, you know, and I don't know how to, I don't exactly know what the best way to do that is. Uh, we are uh, maybe the only ceremony, uh, maybe Ottawa does it, but I insist on two minutes of silence. So typically, Ottawa, yeah, certainly they did it yesterday at the national cenotaph. So. And uh, so you, you'll have your, um, you know, your last post and then there's two minutes of silence and then there's the lament. Typically it's flowers of the forest, which would be mm -hmm. a world war uh, one tune and you play that and then reveille. Uh, so for our group, I insist on two full minutes, Good. And two full minutes. You would not believe the level of uncomfortableness in the crowd. Uh, They're thinking something's wrong. And, uh, I'll even have the event organizers looking back at me like, come on, like, let's go, let's go. Yeah. No, well, it's two minutes. And, and I wait, and I've got my watch and I, and there is, it's a lot, it's a long time. I think two minutes goes by like that. I mean. That's Not how, for some people. <laughs> that's, that's how long my uh, television career went with John Shannon. Oh, uh, come uh, on. Come on. Time, and, and we insist on it. And I, I, I agree with you, Bobcat. Maybe the holiday wouldn't matter. Uh, but if we don't start it, it'll never matter. Correct. Unless we make it matter. And I think that would help. Johnny, I think, is bang on and right. 
Well, speaking correct is when he hired me for that two minute. Johnny. Well, let's let's change the subject. Two minutes. I needed two hours out of your heels. Yeah, since since you brought up that miserable little television career of yours, um, if John Shannon was still running things there, do you think he would have? Uh, you'd still be there. I, here's my Gemini. Well, good for you. Actually, no. It's one of my daughter's dance trophies. This is Well, then it's my Gemini. You, I you am paid. a Gemini, but I haven't got one. You, you, by the way, you paid more for that dance trophy than you would have for the Gemini. So, <laughs> yeah. I, did I ever tell you when we we had the uh, what, what is it the Gemini's they have? No, I think it's the uh, Canadian, Canadian Screen Actors Awards or yeah. uh, Screen so, Awards. Okay, I I get nominated. I'm up against Ron McLean. And I'm up against Brian Williams. I'm thinking, okay, you have no chance of winning. Like, really? Two icons in the game, right? And so we sit down for the, uh, the, the award ceremony, and I'm in, like, the third row. And I'm thinking, this is it. I've won. Like, why would you put me in the third row? They want to get me up on stage. Well, I can deliver this two-minute, just a, a raucous speech. speech. Wait, I got a question before you go on. Where did you took, look around and see where McLean and Williams were sitting? Oh, they were, it couldn't be found anywhere. Like, couldn't be found. But they started, okay, ladies and gentlemen, here we go, this award. And these are the three nominees. And, by, and I look to my right, and there's Brian Williams. And he's making his way towards the stage. <laughs> and then it was, and the winner is Brian Williams. And I'm looking, how did he know? So, anyways, I got to watch the rest of the show from uh, from the third row. But I, I thought for sure, you know, seat placements, everything. And although I should have learned my lesson, uh, the Rangers in 94, we won team of the year at the ESPYs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, team of the year. So they sat us in the upper balcony at, uh, at uh, the, the big hall that they, uh, it escapes my mind now. Is it at Radio City? Radio City Music Hall. And so we're up in the upper balcony, and I'm thinking, we have no chance of winning. Why the hell would they put us up here if we win Team of the Year? How are you going to get 20 guys down? And, and so, sure enough, Team of the Year, the New York Rangers. Oh, okay, it doesn't matter where you sit. Elevator ready for us. And we walked down, and Mess got the trophy, and I can remember walking down the middle of the aisle, Radio City Music Hall, and there was meatloaf and I high-fived meatloaf. Hey, meatloaf. meatloaf. After, well, that's not really his name, right? So so I guess it doesn't yeah. matter where you sit. So sitting close, loss. Sitting far away, win. You keep bringing up things that relate to me. Um, I owned a restaurant called Gardoonies across the street from Maple Leaf Gardens back in the 90s. And meatloaf plate was big then. And he played in concert at, at Maple Leaf Gardens. And the record company booked our restaurant for the post-show party. And of course I'm there. And uh, Doug Gilmore, who was my partner and one of my partners in the Here comes the name dropping, Glenn. Yeah, he, he was there. Meatloaf. Well, no, meat was first. Meat. Well, but that, that, there's the question. So in walks Meatloaf. Ing for. And I'm, I'm introduced to him. And I don't know what his real name is. So what do you say to Meatloaf? Hello, Mr. Loaf. Or, or hi, I'm Meat. <laughs> Nice to meet you, sir. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking for counsel on the off chance I ever see him again. Oh, I don't know the answer to that question. By the way, I, uh, I did. Uh, I don't know. How do you come up with that? We all know the answer to that. Just call yeah. him Meatloaf. Yeah. But, uh, so uh, I, have, I won a Gemini, just for the yeah. record. I won a Gemini. You know what it was for, though, right? Did uh, you clean the studio or what? Golf. <laughs> 
<laughs> I couldn't win one for hockey, but I won it for golf. And you did every major hockey event for probably four years. Well, apparently you did a shitty job at it. Otherwise, I, I, you I wasn't. Won an award. I, I obviously wasn't very good. Oh, clearly, I, I did win one for golf. So. I mean, that's what you should take and, from and, that. And and I, well, anyway, enough of enough about me. Let's talk about you too. The station is supposed to nominate. So clearly there was a whole bunch of people. Well, no. well Glenn, as you, as, as you are well aware, when we were at the CBC, um, you know, the hockey people weren't the most popular in the building. <laughs> all we did was generate all the revenue. <laughs> all we did was make all the money, <laughs> but that didn't mean the news department or the variety department or the special events department liked us. No, well, as a bunch of hockey players, none of us could read off a teleprompter like news. So yeah. now hold on. Now Mansbridge is a buddy of ours now. So oh, Mansbridge I, is a buddy of ours. He, he's a star. Yeah, I'm damn talking, right. I'm just talking about all the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. All right. You two want to be alone now or what? Oh no, no. Why? We we why we we finished the Garduni story, so you're done or what? What's going on here? I got. Oh, I just, no, hold on. I, can we get a janitor in to clean up all the names? He just dropped. Yeah, thanks. Okay. <laughs> right. Janitor will clean up all the names. <laughs> you're talking about my crappy television career, and then you hey. then you lambasted into a whole bunch of people, you know. And, and and I want you to know that I am not a a world class name dropper. No, who's the best? Who, who's the best? Oh, there's no question. Peter King. No. Well, he's pretty good. Yeah. Mark Mulvoy. Oh, that he was he was great. Do you remember Mark, Mark was, Mulvoy? Oh, sure. Ran Sports Illustrated. Yeah, the editor of in chief or whatever he was, publisher, I don't know, of, of Sports Illustrated for years. Yeah. I used to have Mulvoy on like every two weeks. Oh yeah. For, it was just and and I would I would literally like you did. I would bing. sit there and I bing, bing, yeah. bing, yeah. bing. Well, I, would, I was playing golf with Obama and then Trump that's, came along the, and then that's the New York then, that's New York mentality, right, Glenn? That's the that's the New York. Oh you, and you you, li you lived it, Glenn. You you know, the, and that's the difference maybe for you between living on Long Island and being in the city, right? Yeah, you know what? Um when I lived uh I would live kind of by Rye, right? Which is sure. uh, right I live right on Westchester Country Club, which you would think, oh my gosh, that's billionaires row, right? We rented a guest house off of Mariah Carey. Bing, there you go, name drop. Uh, but it was, the guest house was like a complete shed, okay? It's like back in the day, that's where the the chauffeur would just wait until they needed him to go and get in the oh, car yeah. and drive out. And so- How did you convince Susie it was a good place to live? Yeah, and there would be many, many a night that they would have a dinner party and I would go over and pipe in the dinner, right? And you know, the dining room fit like 20 or 25, but it honestly looked like a little tea table in the middle of this massive room with, I didn't know there was a face of the great white North all carved into the dining room. And she had the who's who of everybody uh, at dinner, Donald Trump being one of them, bang, there's another one. And uh, not, none of them knew who I was, none of them. So they would, oh, great job. Oh, great job. Yes. And I'd walk out and I go, you stupid in this <laughs> watch me play tomorrow night in new york how about that and i'll guarantee you, you might not even see a win how about that <laughs> there you go <laughs> did you at least get to play westchester do you even play golf oh are you kidding me Billy scott he's a good golfer i've never even i never never he, played with you I, I will tell you right now bob he kills you with the three wood he, he he looks at all of his hitting drivers and then he hits this damn three wood and it goes farther he's got this little draw i mean it drives you nuts it yep. drives you nuts well, we just don't get invited to that 
you know, that golf club uh, that he plays at, that all the big boys play at. You know, it's not far from your house, actually. No, I could probably ride a 10 speed there. And, and <laughs> again, all I need is the one club to beat you, Bobcat. So don't hold your breath. I bring my three wood and a putter, and I'm going oh, to. This three wood, I'm serious, Bob. You know, I, I've played nine clubs in my bag, and Heels has played his three wood and his putter, and he beats me. So <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's another course that's close to there. And the first hole is a par four. And so, again, we get to the tee and there's a, a guy who is a part owner of the club who's a musician says to me, hey, this isn't club link. Hey, this is a tough course. You better be ready for a tough course. You know, thinking, okay, excuse me, it's not club link. All right, it's a private club. So I get up to the tee and just so happened the wind was right, struck the ball right, landed on the green on a par four. I look back and I said, are all the par threes this tough? <laughs> i love golf it's a so great so I. I had, a, I had a time there when i had my hip replaced um where i would golf with the same group of people and my nickname was hack and slash because i couldn't finish my swing right the hip right. wouldn't wouldn't finish and so when i'd go to tee off with that three wood they'd all have their backs turned to me and at one point i was like what are you guys doing it's kind of insulting like you know don't you want the courtesy of looking for the ball like we can't watch that swing you can't yeah. watch because it, it's it throws us off. Throws us <laughs> off. So I was hack and slash for the longest time, uh, and then uh, the hip got replaced, and now my game is back. So I'll take you on anytime. And John Shannon. All right, let's go. You, um, can, you can drive the drink cart and make sure you don't leave I, us. Yeah, might be. Oh, really? So There's I'm no the caddy. That I'm the I'm the caddy. Thank you, heels. Thank you. Yeah. And, and you didn't answer the damn question. Did you? Did you get to play Westchester? Uh yes. Yeah, right across the street. So, yes. Yeah, yeah well. And, uh, you know, great track. Um, yeah. Not the best in New York. There's there's a bunch of others. Deepdale, I think they've got like 50 members. Wingfoot's not that far away either. Wingfoot. Um, I played Wingfoot way back when they had the U.S. Open there. And we we had to have a member. So we played with the member. And then there was a couple of us from the Rangers. It won't name drop. But we get to the first tee and we lay out the game. So, it's you know, 25 cent this, that, and triples and both. You know, okay. All right. All I heard was 25 cents. That's all I heard. Nothing more. I'm in the game. Sure. Oh, 25 cents. That's not much. Here we go. Turns out that you could only putt and then leave the green and the next guy could go on because they didn't want anyone on the green, right? And the rough could, could not have been longer. It was the toughest course other than when I played in Ireland when the wind was 300 miles an hour that I've ever played. And so we got down to this little 25 cent game. And basically, if there was a three putt on 18, it was for $3,800. <laughs> okay, so, okay, I'm like 160 out, okay? So what club do you think I asked the caddy for? Three wood. No chance. No, I got, <laughs> I was like, just get me in front of that green. Don't get me on the green 25 feet away because there's $4,000. So when I told him the club, he looked at me, he goes, you'll never hit it that far. That's the key. I don't want to hit it that far. <laughs> And uh, at the end of the day, the person who lost the bet was the member. Wow. So thank mm. God I didn't do that. Then, hey, uh, another time we, we were playing at that beautiful course, the Magna, playing with Ty Domi. And of course, you know, again, Ty's, every hole's a driving range, right? And so uh, he, he had this beautiful Ferrari or Maserati he had parked up in front. And uh, after I had accused him of cheating and he chased me around for a little bit and banged my head off the, the ball cleaner, uh, I decided when I was 140 yards out, 
caddy asked what club i said give me a five iron oh yeah yeah that scottish golf eh? he'll keep it low under the wind uh <laughs> eat up and hit my ball right at his car five minutes and then decided to bang my head off the 150 yard marker so we've had some fun there's no doubt that uh golf and nhl players and great broadcasters like the two i'm on with uh we get out our fair share oh good that uh, that just in the nick of time you gave us the um the great broadcaster speech you know and where with, are they with complete and utter sincerity i don't know <laughs> you better go to break bob i wanted to go to break 20 minutes ago but <laughs> can't shut him up uh we'll come back after maybe if we have any more time uh with glenn healy after these messages uh, usually i say it's mccallan and shannon um with glenn healy but it's really glenn healy and you and I are just kind of along for the ride here yeah hey I, glenn i got a question about the players association so yeah. The, the, the Monday, the Monday conference call with the 32 executive. And if you were a member of the players association, you could listen in on the call. Um, and there are what, 780 members of the players association right now around there, approximately around there, less than a, less than a hundred. This is, and this is after the Kyle beach stuff. This is talking about the players association's role and all of this and less than a hundred players participated. Does that concern you? Oh, for sure it does. Yeah. I mean, when we, we would have meetings, um, we always had a European meeting and we had a Vegas meeting at, or, or someplace exotic. You had to, right? You, wanna, you, you need yeah. a bit of a catch. And we'd, at those meetings, we'd have no less than 140 players. It's your association. You're, you're in charge. You're, you're, you're Don Fear's boss. So you decide the route but, that it takes. But, but that hasn't happened. It's gone the other way. So that needs to be corrected. That's probably your first correction. Right? How do you get rid of apathy and, uh, and get players engaged? And I, I, that's what I'd say about our group. When, when uh, you know, we had the strike in 92, we were engaged. And we yeah. had the big boys fully engaged. It yeah. was Wayne and Mario that, that made the biggest difference to the Players Association in that 10-day strike. They fired John Ziegler and entered Gary Bettman. Mm -hmm. And that's why. You know, the vote in 92 to strike. And the result of that, which was us owning player likeness, led to Gary Bettman getting hired and a real strong player association. Uh, we, I think you're aware we had Pat Brisson with us yesterday. So are agents the allies of the PA or, or not? And, well, and I think you probably can figure out why I'm asking that question, because players tend to lean more on their agents for counsel advice, et cetera, than they do the players association. I would say your first call is always to your agent. It's not even to your wife. That's yeah. the first call. There's a I think you're right. player issue. You know, I'm going to call Pat and say, I've got an issue. Uh, and, and that agent has to know how to deal with it and direct you in the right kind of direction to make sure you, you get things dealt with. And so your agents are, they're, powerful you know you there's there have been people that have held that position at the pa that call them allocators because they just take what they have in the cap and allocate it they're way way more valuable than that and and you know i had bill waters as my first agent uh, that didn't last very long lasted about a month um called him up and told him it was time to make a change and he was the change uh, and then i had larry rouch who was out of new york for the great larry rouch i remember larry he was just an incredible negotiator and person and 
you know, I could rely on him for anything, family matters, financial matters, immigration matters, anything that I needed fixed, he was my fixer. Mm -hmm. But, but, but the role, Bob brings up a really good point, uh, because we've had Alan Walsh on this show as well. Um, And, and Alan actually made the, uh, the the comment that, um, you know, he he doesn't really want to be involved with the union at this point because he thinks the players need to be more involved how do so but that doesn't really make much sense does it no that's that's just playing politics that's politics yeah there's no doubt that uh you know in alan's case as the players association gained strength and as salaries you know my hey my first year i made seventy two thousand in the nhl i made twenty two thousand five hundred in the ahl and I thought I was the supreme negotiator because most of the contracts were three-way. I didn't get 11,000 in the IHL, 11,000. Hey, honey, let's go to Disney. Yeah, let's, let's rent a van and drive there. I mean, hey, that, it changed, right? Salary disclosure, that changed what we made. And once we knew what, I always lied about what I made. You know, I didn't want to tell people, you know, what are you making, Heels? Uh, 125 liar pants on fire you're making 72 so you didn't want anyone to know but once we found out we could compare apples to apples and and player association grew in strength we had better rights we had better pensions we had better arbitration i mean the way it honestly uh they could back at the start with eagleson they could send you to wuhan and you had to go play there you had no rights and so as things have gone and expanded and more teams and more players and better salaries let's face it uh 4% 4% or 3% of 72,000, Alan, not that much. 3% of 15 million, that's a lot of money. And so yeah. as that association has grown, the strength of it and earlier free agency and players making $16 million before they even play a shift as a signing bonus or 15, seven. Uh, and there are a number of them on the lease that get that. Not even a shift and here's your money yeah. and you're getting a cut of it. Uh, but no, but that but, world is made for a better world for you too. Yeah, no, I, I'm not disputing that. And, and, but it really, what has that done to the position of what the, where the union sits in a player's life? Well, and, and let me just go back a little bit to maybe Alan's point. And, and that is there was this kind of a, misnomer that the agents had a play in the 2004 salary cap that was given to the players. Okay. I got a newsflash for you. When Gary changes constitution from only needing seven teams to say, we're not playing. Right. When Gary changes ownership group. We didn't have the John Spanos anymore who are hundred heirs. We had billionaires whose teams meant nothing to their financial fortune. When all of that strategically had changed for Gary in 2004 and his end zone item is one end zone item. And we all have them in negotiations. One thing we have to have, that's what he had to have. He was getting it. And if the players thought they were going to miss two full years of salary so that they wouldn't get it, that wasn't happening. And so this understanding that the agent somehow concocted the, the cap to come in and for there to be a settlement, I, I think that's ludicrous. It just strategically, Gary set himself up for that. And he, that was what he was going to get. And that's what he got. And, you know, really, there's only a few players in the game today, Chara, Bergeron, Spezza, maybe not even Spezza, that have ever played without a cap. They've Mm -hmm. all had a cap. Mm -hmm. And uh, life has gone on, and Gary took over. The revenues in the league, John, you know, were $417 TV, tickets, beer, television, everything. Well, 
tickets were tickets were tickets were the key. 70 percent. Now, now we were before COVID, we were starting to climb into five billion for revenues, and of which players get fifty percent. So the, it's changed, but that historical understanding of the game probably puts you in a better position to make a little bit more sound uh, kind of impression than just a pass. So there is a there is a sense of apathy among the players apparently to what is going on in the players' association. Um, apathy may be the wrong word is just disinterest and yet from the outside looking in heels um, the only thing I can really point to definitively as the primary role of the PA is to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement which comes up every you know six eight whatever many years what else goes on on a daily basis in there that is actually impactful to the players' lives? Well, I, I would say their only role is the same as my role, how to make tomorrow better than today for a bunch of players. And there are players that, you know, are going through uh, issues with COVID. There are players that are going through issues with legal situations. There are players that have substance abuse issues that have to go away for a month that are the stars of our game. It could be our goalie for Team Canada. I mean, the, the, the role is expansive. You, you are there to take care of that journey of 700 players. And I would argue 700 spouses as well, because the, if you think the agent's important, she's the engine that drives everything. You get mm -hmm. traded. You're not packing up the house. Bye, honey. I'm probably going to be having dinner at Highs in San Francisco. Uh, good luck packing the house up because you're going to be the one to do it. So that role for them is, is huge. I mean, going to the Olympics is, is a massive endeavor and they chose to go, you know, you think about just even that, if you, you catch COVID while you're in China at the Olympics, you have to quarantine for three weeks. And I don't think it's like quarantining in Ontario where you're Guessing, out in the backyard yeah. smoking a cigar and having a drink and that's called quarantining. I would imagine you probably don't get to go for a sunset walk in China. So there's, they're into a whole host of things uh, that they have to help players in their journey. You know, when you come into the league at 19 or 20 years old, you don't have a few games in the league. You haven't cut your teeth. You need help. You need a little bit of leadership to make sure that that journey is a great one. And then you hand the journey off to me and I make sure that next 30 to dead is as enjoyable as the first one. But there, there's a lot of things other than just negotiating a collective bargaining agreement. That's important. Because that sets the ground rule for both players well, play. Uh, but, you know, every day there's a player issue that you've got to deal with. And whether it's drug testing, whether it's uh, a player that gets to that acute intervention and needs help, uh, they're involved in all of it. Glenn, what would you, uh, what would you define the, um, the reason for the internal investigation then into what, ha what happened in the Kyle Beach situation in Chicago? Well, I would look at, uh, let's say, the, the initial conversation that happened in San Jose right before the Stanley Cup final, and there were six men in that room. And the right thing to do would be to stand up and say, this has got to be taken care of. And it wasn't. Right. I would argue that they're all good guys in that room. I'd argue that I'm friends with mostly all of them. And somebody should have stepped up and said, this is not right. And we cannot let this go for one more minute. Didn't happen. And as a result, there was accountability. I make decisions all the time in my life, every day, and I'm accountable for them. And the bad ones, I pay a price. The good ones, I get a price. 
And so there's accountability for what has happened in Chicago. It's not fully, um, there's not an exoneration of, of that. There's still some legalities that are gonna be, be looked at. And you know, the poor kid who was abused after the fact in Michigan, that just disgusts me. I know if it was my kid, I know what I would do uh, and I, I, I'd act on it. And so that accountability will continue to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think from the Players Association, the investigation for them is to say, what did we know? Who knew? And there'll be a level of accountability. And I think that makes the players feel better that uh, from our side too, we will have a level of accountability. What the investigation shows, I, I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I have no idea what what will come about of it, whether there was a conversation, not a conversation. Uh, I would say, like anything in life, open up your cards, full uh, disclosure of everything is a better way to go. And this would be Don's way of saying, we've got full disclosure, come and look. Because there's been so many, the boogeyman behind the curtain and this happened, it, just open it up. You're better to just let them see what's going on in the house and then trouble goes away. And if there is trouble and accountability, then that will come out in a report. Well, is it even feasible based upon your experience that the Players Association did not know what was going on? Uh, again, I, I have no knowledge either way. I haven't talked to anybody about that. But histor- you have been there and you've been involved in, I, in I this kind of stuff for a long time, Heels. Is uh, it even well, feasible that no, they didn't know? I would have to say somebody had, had some sort of, you know, your job's to protect the player. That's it. And you're not there to win. I get Chicago, you know, it's a win or a loss. You know, you got the cup. I mean, well, yeah. The ice with it. I can hear the conversation. It's not even on the ice with our, our team. So just, you know, you guys deal with this and I'll, I'll go win a cup. I, I get that. But there's no win or loss. For, for the player association. It's, exactly. It's the winner loss of a player's soul. And when I see him 12 years later, uh, I can feel the hurt through his interview with Rick Westhead. It, mm-hmm. It's a, a player who was crushed. And at 20, look at, at 20, I had never clue what was going on in this world. And uh, None of us did. You know, especially if someone's got a bat telling me this is what's going to happen or your career is going to end. So, you know, I'm, what I'm glad for is just that uh, there will be a level of accountability on all sides. And just make sure this never happens again in our sport. Because that's all we've talked about for three weeks, four yeah. weeks, this incident. And yet we've got so many great stories that are going on around the game. They honored Colby Cave yesterday. His wife came out and, and dropped the puck. And you could just feel like the players surrounding her with a bunch. Those are great stories. There's great stories with teams. You know, the elites are winning. You got There's a whole bunch of different things. And we just tend to look at this one episode and the bet, the quicker the investigations happen, the quicker accountability happens, quicker it goes away, the quicker we can get into what's great in our sport. Uh, Heels, we'll let you go. Um, It's always um, an interesting conversation. We've covered a lot of ground, both serious and not so serious. And uh, that's the way it should be. Um, Have a a pleasure. Thank you guys for not uh, having me go to jail in this interview. It's been so nice for you not to, put me in a real bad spot so well it's you know we still have time <laughs> uh, anytime for you guys anytime but thanks uh he's the head of the nhl alumni association uh, glenn healy we'll come back with more after these messages we're coming to shannon back with you thanks to uh, glenn healy three three adults with add that conversation were we all over the map or what well it's healy you know you never really know in fact, in fact, 
Uh, I think that we we did if we did a transcription, there, there's actually a conversation there identical from the last time for about four minutes between you and Glenn. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't remember conversations. I don't remember who we had on yesterday. Pat Brisson. You're correct. Yeah. Now I remember. Yeah. And you want me to remember something from six months ago? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I just put the soccer game aside. We've, we've addressed the soccer game. 45,000 tonight. I was going to say big game, but it's all, they're all big games. Yeah. You don't want to lose any. And you certainly, it's Costa Rica tonight, right? Costa Rica tonight, Mexico Tuesday. I just asked about tonight. I didn't ask about Tuesday. I know Mexico. Yeah, but Tuesday. lots of people will listen to this on Sunday. Well, that I don't care. You, you can should. listen to it whenever you can listen to it five years from now. Wow. I have no idea what the relevance would be, but there are people that still listen to podcast number one, which was more than a year ago of this show. Now, is there anything in there of topicality? I can't imagine there is. Topicality a word? All right. Is there anything in there that is topical? There you go. Or current? <laughs> yeah. The answer is no. Well, that would be my guess. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, we only have, we, we have a, but a, a spare bit of time. Um, in a hockey market like Vancouver, where expectations are always high, and um, as a general rule with the Canucks, the reality winds up being a lot lower than the expectation or the hope. Uh, they lost 7-1 to uh, uh, the Colorados yeah. uh, last night. Now, Colorado may be a good hockey team. No, con no, uh, no Nathan McKinnon last night either. Well, they may be a good hockey team. I know every, all, all the hockey pucks, including you, I think, picked them. No, the I did game. not. I did not. Who did you pick? I forget. Tampa. Okay. But you know there are a lot of people that are still on that bandwagon yeah. the same way they've been on the Saint, uh, San Jose bandwagon or were on it for like a decade yeah, yeah. until they yeah. finally gave up. Colorado should be a good team, but that's not guaranteed. Well, I didn't say that. So the problem is when you are a hockey market, a 7-1 loss puts them into complete panic. and Total panic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think they're what five, seven, and a bunch of a bunch of ties. Yeah, yeah, and and it's even worse now is that they they really do have to stay ahead of Seattle. You know, there is a there's a a, a conscious when you talk about the expansion team and oh, down imagine. the street, you know, you know that you can't lose to Seattle. You have to be better than Seattle. There, yeah. and I, it, it, they it maybe some conscious, but it's true. You know, and, and the problem now is that they're talking about heads rolling, whether it's Travis Green, whether it's Jim Benning. Um, it's an emotional market. It's, I, I think it's actually the, the most critical English speaking market in the country more than any of the others. Um, well, that was my emotional. Yeah, that, absolutely. That they panic faster than anybody. Yeah. yeah. Their, 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 their fan base is as critical as, well, it is the most critical in the English speaking, uh, country, part of the country. Yeah. Well, and they can lose that fan base if, if the fan base gives up on the team. And then, uh, then they don't sell as many tickets. Right. Um, we got to go. The weekend okay. is ahead of us, and uh, I need to get to it. I need, I need to rest after this exhausting week that you've put me through. Uh, we hope you have a, a, a genuinely nice time this weekend, John. You're not that. You're not. That's there's not I'm, an ounce of sincerity in that at not all. Not even. No. What's less than an ounce? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we got to go. See ya.